This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Broken Front Wings, the F1 podcast on energy sport. This was round six of the championship in Baku, Azerbaijan. My God, what a race that was. And I am, as ever, joined by Matthew Henderson, and today we are joined by Graham Sinclair. Welcome along, gentlemen. What a race. Hi, thanks for having me on. Wonderful to have you on. That was possibly not the result we were expecting from that race, I think it's fair to say. It wasn't the result I expected with five laps to go in the race. (laughs) Never mind from the start of it. It was, I think I the the red flag certainly for Max Verstappen's tire blowout and the sort of the two lap sprint we had at the end certainly made it very very exciting. It was like a sprint mode lobby on the F one game. Yeah, it's like when you do one of those little you do quick quick race or whatever it's called and you do three laps of the circuit. It's pretty much what it was. It was. It was utter carnage as well. I think what's also interesting to note, and I think this sums up how crazy the end of the race was. Nikita Mazepin f- finished higher than Lewis Hamilton. That was, yeah. Just, just let that sink in. And and in the space of two laps, he only managed to nearly kill one other driver. That's pretty good for him. I think it was his teammate. It was his teammate. It was, a... it was quite funny. Um, I, 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 this is possibly a horrible thing to say, but I think if Mick Schumacher had ended up in the wall... It would have served as a wake-up call for everyone in the F1 and the FIA about how dangerous Nikita Mazepin is. Yeah, and I think you're right. would have at least got a one-race ban for that, because that was an unacceptable move. Was he did it in F2, though. He did it in F2. That's, he, he's done that kind of thing before. He has done that, that kind of thing before, but never at those sorts of speeds. No. There was there was a very funny thing in the race, I think. Mazepin spun about a ton fourth, I think. But they were like, well, the camera had it pointed at people on a balcony going, oh, Maspin, 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 excited oh, yeah. that he was coming past. As, he, ends, as, cut, as, he, cut, as he cut down the track and Maspin was spinning off. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the reaction from those people on that balcony were basically just like, wait. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was, it was. So, Maspin, not the greatest driver the world has ever seen or the best one on the day in Baku. But who was our driver of the day? I'm going to start that straight off and say the one and only Sebastian Vettel, P11 to P2. Yeah, not yeah. much you can really argue with that. It was in a car that really doesn't deserve to be in the top five, in my opinion, because it's just not that great. He's, he did an amazing job. He did very well on the, the restart, and he's just, when he was leading the race, I was sitting thinking, oh, okay, well, he could probably end up maybe sixth or seventh this time he, this time he pits. And when I saw him in third, I was like, bloody hell. It, it just, and obviously he inherited second place after Hamilton decided that turning left wasn't for him. Um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely interesting. I think my driver of the day has to be Perez because he said, judge me after my fifth race. And we're judging him after his, on his sixth race, in which he won. So, yeah, um, he was P6 on the grid. And, yeah, he held off with Hamilton all race. He just had a lot of pace. He was right up there for Red Bull needed to be. He wasn't a second off um, Verstappen. He was tenths off of him. So, yeah, very good drive from Sergio Perez. Yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys maybe took the two best drivers there. 
the two main choices. Vettel, but in particular, his stint, he went longer on the soft tyres than anybody else, and his stint was incredible in that one. He really, really, really managed to cut into the gap there, and that's when he made up all his places. I was impressed by Sebastian and Vettel. Another driver who I think uh, deserves an honourable mention for his performance yesterday is Pierre Gasly, who, it should be said, still doesn't have a seat next year. No, um, I think he, I don't know what he's thinking now, but probably last year is very much in the mindset that he will be getting back to Red Bull. Um, I don't think and they he, will. I don't think they will. I don't They're think he will. Perez. No, yeah, when Perez has just gone and won, so. But, um, yeah, I think Pierre Gasly just did an amazing job. The Alpha Tauri had pace on this track. McLaren didn't quite turn up to this race. It was probably their worst race of twenty twenty one. Um. Although London Norris did manage to recover to fifth, but they didn't turn up, and Ferrari had pace, but they weren't the quickest, so Alfa Ferrari were able just to, to capitalise that, and Yuki Tsunoda had one of his best races of the season as well, with seventh. So P3 and P7 for the Alfa Ferrari team. So yeah, it was, it was all in all a really good race from them. Of course, there were lots of teams that had some decent success yesterday, it's kind of a hard one to decide who the team of the day is. So, gentlemen, what are our thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm. I'll pick. I'm going to pick up where Matthew left off, and I think it is the Alpha Tauri team because they've had pace. They had pace the entire week. I think Pierre was on top in P three for quite a or maybe even ended in P one, and that they have qualified in fourth. And Yuki Tsunoda qualified as his best performance by far, and. In a F one seat so far, I mean, he's he's been down to the bottom, but he got through to Q three for the first time in his career, and then finished the race in the points in the first. For maybe did he get a point in the first race, but it's definitely his best finish anyway. Finished in eighth. Um, honestly, it could have been better to be honest with you. He did. He's had a. We just know he's had a fantastic drive as mm-hmm. well. Matthew, um, I think my team of the day has to be Red Bull because before Max Verstappen's tire decided that life wasn't worth living. They were running P1 and P2, their first 1-2 since 2018, when Daniel Ricciardo drove for them. So, yeah, I think definitely had to be Red Bull. They didn't take fresh engines. None of the Honda engines were fresh. And I think pretty much everybody else had a fresh engine for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. But, yeah, no, they just had a solid race. Decent enough qualifying. Um... Um, P3 and P6, Perez could, could have done a little bit better and Mercedes just had pace out of nowhere in qualifying. Um, but yeah, no, they, they did decent enough in qualifying, but Sergio Perez just managed to storm through the grid um, to get up to P2 and held off Hamilton. Verstappen got out into clear air, was a few seconds in front of his teammate and it was going to be a comfortable 1-2 for the team. And yeah, it's something that we'd love to see. Unfortunately, it's something we couldn't see, but we almost had that hope. Mm. I think my team of the weekend, or my team of the day, my team of the weekend, certainly, given the fact that Baku is a power track, and they are very far off on power, and yet through the way they managed the gaps in qualifying, managed to get the perfect toe which was enough to put the car on pole as Ferrari. Because that was just so unexpected. 
Yeah, I didn't expect was, anything less from you, to be fair. It was a, per- <laughs> it was a, perfect, stra- it was a perfect strategy to try and... I mean, they got lucky, the yeah, gap, that's true. The gap that they found themselves in, the gap that they worked themselves into to get that slipstream from the Mercedes up ahead was just unbelievable. And then straight away, the lap that Charles put in, everyone was like, I don't know if that's beatable. And it turned out that it wasn't. Thanks to Yuki Tsunoda deciding that he wanted to investigate the signs on the barriers a bit closer. It was gutsy yeah, in the race as well. I mean, he fell away quickly, unsurprisingly, getting overtaken by both Red Bulls and Hamilton pretty early on in the race. But to bounce back from that and finish P4 is a real testament to how the driver trial is. Mm. I have to say, I was surprised that he held on to P1 for as long as he did. Considering the pace and the power of that Ferrari on the straights, mm-hmm. so I was very surprised by that, and I thought it was a brilliant performance from Charles, and almost back onto the podium at the end. Yeah, I was, a ta- I was a tad confused. He was in the first one that came out and changed it to the hard tire, and I thought that was a decision that kind of backfired a little bit at the start. I mean, I think he was fourth when he went into the pits, and kind of like by the time everyone had their stock, it was down in seventh. I think it was. So he'd lost three places just by coming in early, and he was on. A more used set of tires, but I guess it worked out in the end, so <laughs> they know more than me. It did, and of course, I think we moved from team of the day to and a nice segue with the tires. And a lot of teams ran the hard tires very long, and they were told that they should be able to do about 40 odd laps. So, I'm going to say my shocker of the race goes to Pirelli. Yeah, not there's not really many other people that there's can one other give it main to. candidate who yes. I'm sure we'll get onto in a few yes, minutes. Yes, I'm sure you know P- who I'm going to. Pirelli, mine. Pirelli had a bit of a shocker there. Two tire failures, same compound of tire, the same tire, the same tire age, and they're claiming that it's debris, mm, which I find a bit fishy. Tough. After after Lance Stroll, and um, you could kind of be like, yeah, okay, probably. But when Max Verstappen's tyre fails in the exact same point and with the exact same tyre failing, it's just a bit soft. But, yeah, for me, my shock of the race has to be Valtteri Bottas. He had a pretty god-awful qualifying finish in 10th. But even though he couldn't work his way up the field, and you'd kind of expect that from Mercedes. Um, And even after Lewis Hamilton decided, as I said before, that left turns weren't for him at the end of the straight and the restart, he still wasn't able to get into the points. And he finished behind the Alfa Romeos, which are like the second or third lowest car on the grid. So, yeah, it's, it's just a, a terrible weekend for him. It ended up one place ahead of the man. <laughs> the man, the myth, oh, the no, legend. Either, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, I guess Russell DNF'd, but at one point it was... He was one place ahead of George Russell, the man that will probably take his seat next year. Yeah, that was yeah. I saw that. It was a, it was a big shocker for Valtteri Bottas. Mercedes, yeah. on the whole, had yeah, a bit was, of a that, shocker. They managed to salvage yeah. something in qualifying, and for most of the race before it all just fell apart again. Yeah, that's my shocker. Really. It was. It is the it has been mentioned already multiple times. Uh, Lewis Hamilton going off. At the very first corner of the standing start because he pressed the wrong button. <laughs> that was such a rookie mistake, though. Yeah. Because essentially was... what he did is he pressed the brake magic button and that's a, a toggle on the steering wheel that they can change the brake bias to be all the way forward. 
helps them get them temperatures up on the formation lap. And when he darted over to the left-hand side to defend or to avoid Perez, he obviously just knocked it or something and then just locked his front and continued straight on. And yeah, exactly there's... two and a half minutes after saying it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My brain is so trained at this point just to expect that Hamilton will sneak his way through and just get the idea result. So when I saw it when like the light got green lights again and he was pretty much straight past Perez, I'm like, that's it, that's done. Yeah. <laughs> and and then he goes off and me and I was watching my dad and we both literally screamed. Like, oh my oh, yeah. god. <laughs> it was crazy. This yeah, I don't happen. think imagine can we just take a moment to re- to consider what that would have been like for Sergio Perez. You'd been running in P two for most of the race. Your teammates just crashed out, um, and now you're on for your only your second ever win with, um, second ever win in Formula One. Your first with your new team. Hamilton steams past you on the restart, and then just all of a sudden he's gone. You just your Perez probably just couldn't believe his luck. It's just Especially, all of a sudden Hamilton yeah. parked Perez, it out of the way. Perez did have an excellent weekend. I mean, if we even look at the the first pit stops. Before then, he was well in contention. In fact, the fact that Red Bull bungled the pit stop was what brought him back out in P2 because he'd built the gap and had the pace to come back out ahead of both Verstappen and Hamilton after the first round of pit stops. Yeah, it was. It was kind of crazy. I think I I, I, I cried conspiracy jokingly in <laughs> Red Bull. Just an extra two seconds <laughs> so we can get back out in front. <laughs> And that will bring us neatly on to move of the race. My contender for that would be Mick Schumacher driving into the closing gap on his teammate whom he beat by seven hundredths of a second at the very end of the race. That would be my move of the race because that had balls written all over it in that one. Yeah, and definitely to do that on Mazepin, somebody who's known for dangerously defending. Um, yeah, definitely. That was a good one. Of course, like we discussed before we came on air, uh, Fernando Alonso had a fantastic mm-hmm. restart. Yeah, was, the old man's good at <laughs> starts. And you know, he started, he was P10 for the restart and managed to make up four places. Obviously, one of them's Hamilton going off, but got past uh, Saint from Ricardo off the start and then managed to sneak past Sonoda when Sonoda was trying to get past Landon Norris. Yeah, I think my move of the race actually has to be Landon Norris on that restart. He had a pretty average, forgettable weekend, as we've discussed. Um, but on that restart, he managed to make up a couple of places and um, he had a wee battle with Snowda, which was very interesting to watch. Um, that was good racing. They both gave each other just enough room and no more. Um, and then he just did a good job to get past Snowda and kind of Recover to finish P five after qualifying ninth. It kind of shows how far. Oh, sorry, kind of shows how far Lando's come in that fifth place for him is just kind of like, meh, good job, yeah. could yeah, do exactly. better. Because in last year and in twenty nineteen, if he finished in the top ten, it'd be like, yeah, good job, Lando, decent race, well done. Now he's had this so far in the six races this year, he's had two podiums, mm-hmm. and that accounts for two thirds of his F one career podiums. So you know, he's he's definitely improved a lot and. I think he's now mature enough to realise, okay, I messed up. 
it was my mistake, but he didn't dwell on it. He just got on with it and ultimately finished decent. Um, I think, I know we've already talked about shock of the race, but Daniel Ricciardo definitely is an honourable mention because we all expect him to kind of be good around this track. And I mean, he finished P9, um, having started P13, so he did get it into the points, which is good. But we need to start seeing in the next few races him improving. Otherwise, he's going to be at risk of just being absolutely swamped by Norris. And I feel like he can, because if you look at his time at Renault, his first season was pretty awful, and his second one was pretty decent. But, yeah, he's only got a finite amount of time left to get used to that car before it's too late, in my opinion. I think he's got he's got a two-year deal, so, and I think the fact that there is a huge regulation change coming next year, I think is going to kind of save him. I mean, this is, was indeed a, a very stopgap year. Yeah, for, for I think me. you are right. So I think the fact think, that think... next year there is a huge regulation change and the philosophy of the whole of the way the cars are designed is going to stand him and his feedback as well is going to stand him in good stead next year. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope. And I think towards the end of the year, I think he will um, do decently. But um, yeah, I think he's going to be... If McLaren are going to finish P3 in the Constructors' Championship, which they can, they've got a good shot of doing it. They need Ricardo up there. Because Nor- Norris is not going to do brilliantly at the weekend. So they need both drivers up in the top five, ideally, um, or around that kind of position to, to secure P3. Mm. that is just about all we have time for today thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoyed our podcast even a fraction as much as you're likely to have enjoyed the Grand Prix itself and we will see you again in two weeks time for the Paul Ricard French Grand Prix preview thank Mm. you very much for listening goodbye